0: Adult content intended for an adult audience only. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. Artist in the Park by Publius 68 It was a perfect storm. And by perfect storm, I mean it was an absolutely gorgeous fall day. The elements of the perfect storm were that I had no current commissions to work on, and yet I was home, instead of on the road at a show. Seriously, this was a rare, perfect storm. I tried to avoid those two non-revenue-producing conditions, especially in combination, like the plague. As for the gorgeous fall day part? Those are just less common than I'd like where I live. But this was indeed such a day, and so I had taken a walk to the park, to work. I had two pads of heavy paper, one was two by three feet, while the smaller was a foot square. My case held my current second-best set of pastels, and other miscellaneous supplies. I wandered until I found just the right place, unslung my chair from my shoulder, and positioned myself atop a slight rise with a view of two irregular copses of trees. Most of the trees were maples, but there were some others mixed in, including several young elms in the new, disease-resistant variety that I'd read about. All were in incredibly vibrant fall colors, that brief moment of vital perfection before everything falls to the ground in death, and the bare, ragged branches slumber for the winter. I smiled. The weather would hold for three days, according to my phone. In that time, I could move around the park and do an extensive series of pieces, all different angles and times of day, depicting the same set of trees. I would pretend I was Monet in London. Hopefully, a few of the studies would be good enough for me to make prints and lithographs of sell in quantity. I started with the smaller pad, to get a feel for the colors of the trees. I eased back in the chair and ripped out two or three very quick, even for me, warm-up pieces. I liked the mix of colors in the second one especially, and left it face up beside me for reference as I opened the big pad. By 10.30 I had a big. Colorful mess It was trash when I considered what I had been trying to accomplish with it But I also knew it was pretty, in the bland An offensive style that suburban housewives like to buy and put in their hallways or laundry rooms I set it aside It would be worth finishing back at my condo later But that meant that I was facing another piece of blank paper I scanned around to see which area I wanted to focus on And frowned I wasn't bored with this already but I sure as hell was going to be by the end of three days of rendering trees on paper. I debated sticking with the project for just the one day. Movement caught my eye. In the open greensward of the downward slope between my vantage and the trees, I saw mother and her two little children, both girls, setting up a blanket for a morning in the sun. The little girls were both blurs of blonde motion in their pretty, coordinating but not matching, blue dresses. I sort of half recognized the mom and that I had seen her in the park before. She was tall, and had a willowy figure that was attractive, but not sexy, and a bland face made interesting by a truly generous hawk nose. I usually do either figures or landscapes seldom figures and landscapes. But trying to capture the swift movements of those kids against the tapestry of the fall foliage seemed like it might be fun. The attempt would likely end up as an unsaleable mess, but I would be entertained and fulfilled by the attempt. I hadn't become an artist for the commerce. Not that commerce wasn't important to me, and not that I wasn't good at it. The bank and I together owned a very nice third-floor condo with a view of the very park in Midtown where I was currently working. My home had enough space for both living area and my small studio, and I was very committed to keeping that banking relationship cordial and that ownership in place. If this little diversion didn't work, I'd get back to the pure landscapes. Landscapes were bread and butter for me. Fortunately for my own entertainment, the piece started working fairly quickly. The little girls were easy, I found. Their defining characteristic was movement, and so they became half figures slash half blurs, orbiting the mother. I got enough detail on each to make them recognizable, but barely. The mother was another thing entirely. She sat there, with those long legs folded up under her on the blanket covering the grass. She hadn't even taken off her low but elegant heels. Her slender hips and loosely clad thighs were easy to capture. The color of her trousers was easy to nail it barely took a few, carefully matched strokes to evoke their shape perfectly. Her torso was harder to capture without more detail than I wanted this piece to employ. Not because she was so well endowed. Far from it. Even given the two little girls, it was clear that the booby fairy had skipped the delivery for the mother. I wondered idly if that had bothered her. She seemed extraordinarily serene. The rest of her body had been miraculously unblemished by two pregnancies, so perhaps she was content with the balance of how things had turned out. Or maybe her husband was just not a tit man. Her face was easy to make recognizable, with that striking nose, but I still put in the most work there. I wanted to capture the odd combination of bland and striking in her features and to do it just right. As I worked, I decided I found her face actually more than simply attractive, and the rest of her too. I tend to develop idle affections for the subjects of my work. This piece was definitely not going to be an unsaleable mess. I was damn near smug as I finished my initial work on the mother's image and worked outward, drawing again on my earlier studies on the fall foliage. My eyes did keep coming back idly to the mother a shadow fell over my shoulder. Wow! That's honestly incredible, said a light, feminine voice from behind me. Thank you, I said turning to look at my audience. I am used, when I work in places like the park, to people stopping to watch me develop a piece. I work extraordinarily fast at this stage of a work, and some want to just observe my speed in amazement. Others stop to appreciate what I'm producing. I never mind either way. I keep business cards on the back of my chair, in a pocket with my name and website on a little sign. You never know when a chance meeting will result in a sale. I involuntarily took a second glance at the woman who had approached. She was in so many ways the polar opposite of the young mother I was working up. I estimated that she was a little older than my subject, in the same range as me thirty-three or so. Unlike the blonde woman on my paper— My observer had russet-colored hair that swept around her face in waves. She was short, maybe 5'2", and deeply tanned. Unlike the mother, this woman wore fitness attire, grass-stained white Nikes, and black yoga pants with a two-inch, raspberry-colored stripe that ran from waist to ankles. The stripe was translucent from about mid-thigh downward. She had a matching raspberry sports bra top, bits of which were intentionally visible under a shapeless white tank top. Weirdly, despite being dressed for a workout, she somehow felt more formally attired than the mother. Whereas that woman was calm and serene, the woman beside me seemed bold and in charge. I'm burying the lead here. I only occasionally have the need for professional models in my work, so on any given ordinary day I don't see any more beautiful women than you do. And the honest truth is, most human beings are just not terribly attractive, are they? Unless there is that spark of in-person chemistry? This woman was a knockout. In any context. She had classic, symmetrically alluring features, blazing green eyes, and the kind of curves you'd love to drive a sports car along on a sunny day. I like yoga pants on a woman. There is a reason they are so popular. On a woman with hips and legs like these? Yes, please. And thank you? And her breasts? Nothing crazy. But I found myself for the barest moment wanting to rip that goddamned loose white top off so I could get a really good look, just at how she filled that bra. As an artist, I usually am able to spend a little more time staring at a woman than most guys can get away with. I didn't use that estimated extra time with this lady. I was afraid if I started, I would have not stopped. I was just out to sketch the fall foliage today, and she and her girls sat down in my view. I shrugged. I had to do a sketch at least. That is a sketch? She asked a little skeptically. It's far too good for that. Thank you again, I said. But yes it is. For now. I'll admit I like it quite a bit, so I will likely finish it up sometime later, along with the best of my other work today. It really is good, she said again, almost to herself. They all are, she went on looking at the other stuff I had started and or finished already that morning. This one especially, she added, gravitating directly to what I also thought was the best of the landscapes I had produced so far that day. She tapped her chin thoughtfully. I don't recognize your work, I'm embarrassed to say. She mused aloud. Where do you exhibit? Oh, great. She was a connoisseur. I'm not really a gallery guy, to be honest, I said elaborately casually. Not yet, she said, in a still annoying, but genuinely encouraging tone. Somebody will discover your work and get their hooks into you. Yeah. No, thanks. She was pissing me off a little, which was really too bad. I decided to take her down a peg or two, which wasn't a good idea, but she got under my skin as quickly as she got into my eyeballs. I've had a few exhibitions, I said as if half-ignoring her while i would bent to work on some more foliage. My two biggest were back in Kansas City, where my parents lived at the time. I cocked an eye up at her. Had to make Mommy proud, don't you know? That was actually completely true. And Francis, who runs the Waddington here in town, browbeat me into a small show two years ago. Congratulations. Though with the quality of your work and that kind of exposure, I would think you'd be more in demand. It is annoying when someone you want to be irritated by keeps complimenting you. It feels churlish to hate on sincere compliments. I was still managing the feat. Not going the gallery route was a business decision, I said, rooting through my backup set of pastels, hoping to find a few less used sticks in the red-orange range I was looking for. For instance, I let a gallery in San Francisco have five pieces of mine three years ago. Two have sold, for outrageous amounts. Of which I saw maybe half. The others will sell eventually, hopefully. I shrugged. Once they do, I'll have cleared, after expenses and commissions, a little better than twice what I'd have made selling those pieces myself. Seems like the better route, then, she said, but I could hear she knew I had more point to make and was interested in what it was. Good. Yeah. Except that it will probably take a total of five years to sell those five paintings. Whereas, had I put them in my van and shown them in my tent or booth at events like the Columbus Arts Festival or the Springfield Fine Arts Promenade, I'd have sold them all in five months, though admittedly for less. I found what I needed and bent to the paper to fill in a hole in the colorful panoply of the trees. Cash flow keeps me living comfortably in the condo I own over there, I said, gesturing toward my building without looking. Instead of leading a feast to famine existence out of my van, She stood there silently for a full minute. I worked on the foliage. It shocks some people, but with my style of work, it is often easier and faster to achieve realistic results with landscape elements than with figures. So, you have a volume business model because you work so quickly? That makes sense, I suppose, she mused at last. I don't work quickly. I barely kept from snapping. I am prolific, I added with involuntary good humor. She snorted, and I could not help but smile a bit. Seriously, gallery works take almost twice as much time to be theoretically 10% better and get paid for 10% as fast. I find it boring and unproductive for a theoretical future payday from an unknown client. When I do commissions, on the other hand, I also spend much more time finishing, but I find that rewarding. Oh, you do commissions? Why are they more rewarding? I get to know the buyer, and what they want. I feel like I'm being all perfectionist for a reason for a person. And I charge quite a bit for commissions, which get paid for upon completion, so... Cash flow, remember? She nodded, and I looked up at her. So, you really make your bank by painting portraits of Spot or Little Fifi? She asked. Now she was deliberately trying to provoke me. I like that much better than when she had been pissing me off accidentally. I've never done more than four pet portraits in a year, I said matter-of-factly. And I hate them. Too good for painting dogs and cats? She went on, still provoking. It was genuinely not malicious, I could tell. She just seemed to have discovered she could get a rise out of me, and was the sort to enjoy that. Not at all, I said, not giving her the satisfaction either way. Those animals are clearly loved by their owners, and a deep part of their lives. Why should I not want to help them have a beautiful rendering? I looked at her with my best wide-eyed innocent look. Then I deliberately furrowed my brow. But they are a pain in the ass to get to sit still long enough to work with. She laughed. Then I added, Worse, they are usually getting pretty old when the owner wants the portrait. These little objects of love are getting close to the natural end of a tragically short time on earth with their owners. It's heartbreaking sometimes. Her spine stiffened a bit. Hopefully she could see that while I was quite serious, I was also having a bit of fun with her. Despite, or perhaps in part because of, her obvious tendency to provoke for entertainment's sake, I found it pleasant to have her beside me while I worked. She wasn't really impeding my progress and I liked a little verbal fencing myself. And she was not a bad thing to take the occasional glance at out of the corner of my eye. So how much do you charge for a commissioned portrait? She asked, looking at my work once more. I grinned and named a figure. I heard a low whistle, and I looked up to see her sucking her lower lip. I didn't let her stew for long, though. The possibility existed she was actually interested in a portrait, of her, or of her cat. She clearly owned no dog. People who got portraits of their dogs were never in a park without the dog in question. Sorry. I'm teasing, I said. That price is what my pieces mostly go for in those galleries we discussed. I named a different, lower, but still slightly inflated number. That's for a standard dimension commissioned portrait. It would vary, of course, depending on size and other factors. And how well-behaved your cat is— I added with a smile. I don't have a cat. Haven't for years, she said, affecting an absent visage. Ouch. My maudlin musing on the mortality of small friends might have hit closer to the mark than I had intended. I meant a portrait of yours truly, she clarified, perking back up. My parents are building a new winter home in Florida. It would make a nice housewarming gift. I found the idea of doing a portrait of this woman an appealing concept. We went back and forth on format, etc. And when can we schedule time for me to do the life-drawing portion? I asked. I'll need about three hours with you, then several weeks to finish things on my own. Weeks? I do like it to be perfect when I do a commission. Plus I have to make you think I'm working enough to justify that price. I smiled. She laughed easily. How about today, here, whenever you finish that piece on your easel? Now? I asked It was actually a perfect day and place for a portrait of this woman, but I don't live in town I'm here for business every month or so But usually don't have a day off unless I make it happen She shrugged Today is good for me Taken aback at how fast she made decisions I stared at what I was working on Honestly, this is about done Anything else I need, I can do back in my studio I looked around It is a lovely day, with fabulous light. And the light breeze will add just a touch of life to your hair that I think I can capture. Deal? she asked, holding out her hand. I took it. Deal, I said. Today was going to be a very profitable day, all of a sudden. I realized that I was hardly set up out here for a portrait sitting. Looking around, I found myself oddly flustered about that. I need some things from my studio. If you really want to work out here, I said, still cataloging what those things were. First and foremost, a comfortable chair for you to sit in, I added. Um, I can be back fairly quickly, if you'd like to wait. Or, if you want to touch yourself up, you could come back with me and... I never liked asking prospective female clients back to my studio. It too often felt like I was asking them to come up and see my etchings. And in this woman's case... Yeah. Let's meet back here in thirty minutes, she asked, suddenly brisk and businesslike. I'll go back to my hotel instead. She went on, waving at the old, historical hotel to the south of the park that charged as much per night for some rooms as my mortgage payment was per month. I think I'll just change this, she said, picking at the white tank top. I don't need my mother complaining about seeing my bra for the rest of her life. I was vaguely disappointed by that especially since we had already settled on the portrait only being from the shoulders up anyway. But I shrugged agreement. I'm agreeable when presented with that much cash out of the blue. We each picked up and headed off, so we could prepare. I fleetingly considered the idea that she might not reappear. I doubted that, though. And if she did reconsider and ghost me, I was out precisely nothing. I dropped off all the supplies I had used that morning, replacing them with a fresh pad a lightweight, portable easel, an appropriate canvas, and a brand new set of pastels. I popped them into a bag, along with some bottles of water and a bag of potato chips. Then I re-slung my lawn chair over my shoulder, along with a matching second one for her. They had come as a set from Costco. I returned to the park a few minutes late, which had me frustrated. She was there already, but thankfully didn't look impatient. She had not changed the yoga pants, which I was 100% on board with, and had merely put on a loose, pale blue, collared blouse. The fabric was soft and flowing, and I was moderately sure I could see through it just enough to know she still had on that raspberry sports bra. The elegant blouse in no way went with yoga pants, but as only her shoulders would be in the portrait, it didn't matter. And I was beginning to realize that this woman would look great in mismatch, contrasting brown and orange plaids. She was looking at her phone, and without looking up at me she started reading out loud as I approached. Kirkpatrick's special gift is his ability to bring life and somehow realism to his sweeping pastel sketches. In but a few lines, dashed off with creative brio, he can produce portraits or landscapes that are somehow as recognizable as a photograph, but with enchanting flair and whimsy. She read. She was on my website. That is a hell of a review, especially from a big paper like the Chicago Sun-Times, she said with an appealing smile. You could build a marketing campaign around that. I shrugged. I had, in a way. All I said was, my parents now live in Chicago. Mom sent me three copies of that edition. It was a Sunday paper. I'll bet she spent 40 bucks on shipping. My new client laughed, said at ease. I sensed that we both felt we at least had the same sort of woman for a mother in common. I popped up the second, much cleaner chair and set it out for her, putting a bottle of water in the cup holder in the arm. We didn't discuss whether you'd like a profile, full on, three quarters, or what, I said, holding my chair and trying to decide where to position myself. Dealer's choice, she said trustingly. I nodded and silently walked around her examining her face for the most flattering angle. I specify most flattering, because every angle did the job. I indulged myself in a little subtle appreciation of the rest of her, too. The blouse she had changed into was quite a bit more fitted than the tank from before. She was every bit as well-shaped up top as she was down in the yoga pants department. Whatever. She'd be nice to look at while I worked. More importantly, I felt extremely confident that her charge would be approved when I ran her card for the deposit later that evening. I looked at the sun, and considered how it would move over the several hours I thought I would need for this sitting. I helped her move her chair around slightly, then chose a position for my own that would keep the sun out of both our eyes, and where the fairly minimal change in shadows I anticipated would just give me a little more depth perception, rather than changing her appearance. I set up my easel and laid out my colors. Just relax for right now. I'm going to start with two or three lightning sketches, just to get a feel for your face. Those sound interesting. She said calmly, relaxing. Can I have them too? Maybe one of them. I said, my hand already moving across the paper. I'll hang on to the other two so I can sell them for big bucks when you show up in the Forbes 100 someday. She looked at me with a raised eyebrow. It was a great look, though she'd never be able to hold it consistently enough for the final work. But it was the look of a woman who understood the vanishingly small chance that she'd ever reach that level of wealth and success, but who also was fully intent on making it happen, regardless. Similarly, I intend to have my work in the Met someday. Cheers to us both. Will I need to smile? she asked. I will want you to smile often, I said calmly. And hopefully the same way each time. But smiling for long periods is exhausting and rapidly become more of a rictus. Most of the time, I'll just want your normal, relaxed face. What if I have resting bitch face? She challenged me good-naturedly. I doubt it. I chuckled. Relax for a second and let me see. She tried to let her face relax and stare forward. A very pleasant visage. I cringe visibly. Ugh. Jesus, woman. That is seriously unfriendly. Her eyes crinkled around the edges and she laughed musically. Great. I mumbled. What? Now I'm going to have to keep thinking up jokes every time I need to get that smile. I groused. I was already done with the first sketch. I had wanted to capture her jawline, and I felt like I had it. I ripped off the paper and started a second pre sketch, looking to see how to render her brows. And the color of her eyes. I'll see if I can remember how to smile on demand. She said, clearly confident. I hope that she was right. I'd done a lot of portraits, and smiling consistently, over and over, is harder than you would think. I am going to need one other thing from you. I went on, quickly trashing my first effort at her brows. They had a peculiarly sweeping arch, even at rest, and I wanted to catch that distinctive curve just right besides payment? Well, yeah that obviously. But I meant I'm going to need your name. Damn, I was betting that I could make it another hour before you broke down and asked. She chuckled. It is Sophia. Sophia Diabruzi. She said in a heavy Italian accent that was otherwise entirely absent from her voice. I gave her a bow from my chair in lieu of getting up to shake her hand. Thank you. And what is your name? she said, tilting her head in return inquiry. First, please don't tilt your head, I said in the gentle tone I used to tell paying clients what to do. And second, it's Robert, Robert Kirkpatrick, which you already know, since you were looking at my website to read that quote when I walked up. True, Sophia said, obediently focusing once more off to my left. But what do you go by? Robert seems so stuffy. Um, Robert, I admitted. Sorry! I should probably shut up while you work anyway, she said, sheepishly apologetic. Donata! I waved away her discomfort. And talk all you want. Now and then, when I ask you to smile like you did before, you can bestill your voice. And so I worked. I knew I was doing good work, if only because I was going fast. I really was feeling the contours of her face, seeing them flow naturally from my hands onto the paper. There were none of the fits and starts, the errors that I encounter, or the workarounds I have to employ when a subject is eluding my artistic grasp. Sophia was, I reflected at one point, turning out to be a bit of a muse for me. And we talked, chatted really as I worked. We covered a great number of subjects. I surprised her by how interested I was in her work for an investment capital firm headquartered here in the city. But I found money intriguing beyond just spending it. And had a background to intelligently engage on the subject. I would have likely ended up in finance myself, like my father, had people not started demanding to give me money for my art at a fairly early age. I was, as always, glad to talk at length about wine, as the sort of kind expert that I am. She engaged on the subject entertainingly. We each had knowledge to share with the other about the grape. We were not in perfect accord, however. I tried to talk about baseball, football, basketball, most any kind of ball, but she kept countering with soccer references. Soccer? Not at all the perfect woman by any means. I think I likewise disappointed her by my utter disinterested cluelessness about opera and ballet. Suddenly, I realized I was done. The portrait wasn't finished, of course. There were hours upon hours of painstaking detail work yet to go to hide blemishes and tiny missteps, to add depth, and to blend colors. But to most people's eye, it was already finished, and I didn't need to make her sit out here in a lawn chair anymore. I sat back, looked at my work and smiled. Done, I said in satisfaction. Already? she asked in surprise. I looked at my watch. We've been out here for two and a half hours, I said. No. Really? Yup. And while you are done with the sitting, I am not done with the niggling details. I reassured her. Can I see it? she asked, genuinely wondering if I would allow it. Of course, I said, standing up to stretch and waving at the canvas on the easel. She rose and tentatively walked around to look. She whistled low. Holy shit! I look hot! My dad is going to absolutely hate it. He will? I asked in alarm. Relax. He hates it if I wear a sleeveless shirt around the house. He was a total pain in the ass in high school, and then the most incredible rock for me through college. Mom will love it unconditionally, she added firmly. Then she looked at it again and sighed. And I love it. I just wish I really looked half that sexy. That's you, I said firmly, contradicting her. I had not gone for a vamped-up version of her. I had done her exactly as she was, which was sexy as hell. She just continued to stand there, shaking her head a little, as if in wonder. You are full of bullshit, she said. But I love it. Thank you. When can I have it? When will you be in town next? Two weeks from this upcoming Thursday, she said instantly but I have meetings between some money and my clients all day that Thursday and Friday, and golf Saturday morning. After that, I can stay here the rest of the weekend, if anywhere in there fits your time frame. I don't want to rush you. I'll have it ready by then. Shall we say late that Saturday afternoon? How about five o'clock? I'll give you my address, I said. I'll be there, she said, still unable to keep her eyes off the piece. I have to say... I was not used to anything like her reaction to the portrait. I mean, people virtually always loved the work, but this was hitting something visceral in her. Gently, I closed the pad over the portrait to protect it. She shook her head. Damn, I'm glad I decided to take a walk today, she said. Thank you. And she turned to move determinately back toward her hotel. I'll admit it. I stood there and watched the receding back of her yoga pants for a good long while. The Monday before our scheduled unveiling, my phone buzzed with my generic text ring tone. Unknown number, Robert? This is Sophia. Is my portrait still going to be ready this weekend? Me, yes. In fact, I kind of went into overdrive on it. It is finished now. We are all set for Saturday afternoon. Unknown number, already. Excellent. I shook my head, updating her contact in my phone. Five minutes later, it buzzed again. Sophia, are you free Wednesday night? Huh. I looked at my calendar. Me, I can be. But you said you weren't here until Thursday, and were busy. There was a surprisingly long pause before I got a response. Sophia, I'm impatient. That portrait has me thinking about it all the time. I've dreamed about it. I still can't get over how it makes me look. Sophia the impression it gives of me. I swear I've been feeling better about myself than I have in ages. Me, can't keep you away from the finished product then, can I? Still five o'clock? Just Wednesday instead? Sophia, assuming I can get the flight I need, yes. I'll text if I can't book it, otherwise, expect me at your studio at five. I did not hear back from her. Wednesday, I did some finishing work on other pieces and started crating up stuff to load for the show the next week in Louisville. At lunchtime, I went out, had a bite, and stopped in at Whole Foods to pick up some crudite and charcuterie. I was not a gallery, but you needed hors d'oeuvres for an unveiling, right? Especially one this anticipated, apparently. On a whim, I paused in the wine section and popped for a bottle of Puligny Montrachet. I love the stuff, and I seemed to remember having told Sophia that I felt it was the only white wine worth drinking. It was a line I stole from a cafe owner in Paris. In reality, I had three bottles of screw-top Chilean Sauvignon Blanc habitually in my fridge. I know and love great wines, but I am not a snob. The bell rang, and I went to the door. Opening it, I saw Sophia in the hall. She had looked almost formal in just yoga pants and a workout top when I first met her. In an obviously hand-tailored, quite possibly bespoke business suit, she looked like a million hand-selected bucks. It was a pantsuit in a conservative style, but expertly fitted to leave not one single doubt about the dynamite figure within. Her hair looked even better. I came here straight from the flight, she said, touching her hair. I'm sorry if I look a fright. Don't bullshit a bullshitter, Sophia, I thought. She did not have any luggage with her so she had clearly already gone to her hotel, and had just as clearly freshened up there. Not that I minded one iota. I showed her into my living room. I had the door to my bedroom closed, and the door to my studio open, the opposite of the usual when I have guests. I had tidied the studio for once, and the bedroom was not on the agenda. The portrait was on a hardwood display easel, a much more elegant model than the lightweight one where it had been birthed. It was hidden by a painter's drape that I had once bought, spattered paint on, washed, painted, then washed over and over again until it looked just right. Every work I unveiled for a client over the last three years had been covered by that worn, apparently used, throwaway drape. Is that it? Sophia asked excitedly, stepping toward the portrait. It is, but be patient. I laughed. I get to make a little bit of a production out of this, don't I? I've been living with your visage for two weeks, and I'd like to remind myself of the real thing. She threw me that sensational raised-eyebrow look, but decided to be patient. I had already opened and tasted the wine, so I poured us each a glass. White? Sophia asked in amusement. You said? I extended the bottle to her, label up. Nice, she acknowledged. She took the glass and tasted. I, for one, like whites anyway but yeah, this one is kinda smashing. Relax, I instructed, sitting instead of returning to the easel. Have a bite. You must be starving from the flight. The truth was, I was starving. I twisted the wooden cutting board i transferred the meats and cheeses to around to face Sophia. I was relieved when she actually picked a few pieces to sample, so I could do the same. She draped her suit jacket over the back of my couch. The garment probably cost twice what its resting place did, and I had thought that couch had been an extravagance when I had bought it. I was unable to restrain myself from hogging the serrano on the tray, while we made chit-chat about her business here in town. I was hungrier than I had realized, and was glad for her willingness to talk. For her part, she betrayed a taste for blue cheeses. I cheered my sudden apparent psychic abilities that had led me to select two different ones when assembling the board. But throughout our conversation, her gaze kept glancing over to the shrouded easel. I finally had mercy on her. Well, you've done me a solid favor, helping me empty my fridge here, I said briskly, grabbing a slice of Soprasata to top up my tummy. I should relent in return, and let you see what you are paying me all this money for. Please, Sophia said, suddenly excited. She almost bounced up and down on the couch like a little girl but she also grabbed for herself another slice of the same salami I had just devoured. She had just gotten off a flight all the way from New York, after all. Even in first class, they would not have fed her very well. She practically gobbled the slice down, dabbed her lips, then forced herself to relax back on the couch, turning slightly to stare directly at the easel. She took a languid sip of wine and said, I have been dying in anticipation. Her tone was carefully bland, as if she were exaggerating. The tension in her body language told me that she was not. I stood and moved to the portrait. Carefully, I lifted the drape, then tossed it up and over the back in a practice motion. Honestly, I thought it was a good work. A true representation, with good color, and a great subject. But I hardly thought it was special. I was a little nervous about that. Would it still be as good as she had obviously thought it had been at the beginning? My worries evaporated. Sophia slowly rose, almost without thought, her eyes locked onto her image. She slowly approached the piece as in a trance. She moved in a straight line, and I swiftly stepped forward to use my personal space to deflect her course, or she would have smacked her thighs into my sharp-edged dining table. Robert! It is fabulous! She breathed. Her hand went to her solar plexus, pressing the blouse against herself. To her, I'm sure it was an unconscious gesture to calm her breathing. To me it just made her blouse even more wonderfully fitting. She stood there, gazing for what seemed like five minutes. It might have been longer. At last, she flushed and favored me with the prettiest smile she had shown me yet. Worth every dime and more, she said simply. Thank you. I said, sitting back down to let her examine it some more But she also sat again And had more charcuterie I'm always starving after a flight as well We chatted a bit more about things other than her portrait But her eyes kept coming back to it Her glass was getting low And I was pleasantly surprised that she accepted a refill Even though it is a school night She grinned as I poured She let me fill the glass nearly to the top As she took an appreciative sip, her eyes went to the large, buckskin portfolio on the coffee table. Your work? she asked, indicating it. Some of my best work, yes. Not all of it? Sophia smirked. I'm prolific, remember? I smiled archly. And even if it was all my best stuff, which it is not, I'd not admit it, would I? She smiled as she opened the portfolio and began to page through the photos from beginning to end. She liked most of its contents, though she tended to slow down for portraits and other figures, often letting her eyes dart back to the portrait on the easel happily. How'd I get so lucky as to bump into you in the park? She exclaimed as she briskly shut the portfolio. My banker says I'm the lucky one, I said, modestly deflecting her enthusiasm. She took another sip, then I discovered how good her eyesight was. Is that a second collection? She asked pointing across the room to the black leather portfolio, smaller than my main one, that I had unfortunately not hidden sufficiently. May I see it too? Ah, I said, but she was already on her feet and heading toward the armoire it was supposed to be hidden behind. That is more of my work, but not your best at all, Sophia asked merrily as she bent for it. Some of my best are in there. I was unable to keep from admitting. But really, it's not, um... I mean, there are no landscapes in that one, Anne. Sophia had already slid it free and picked it up. I do like your portraits best, obviously, Robert. She paused, sensing my discomfort. What's the matter? She asked, clueless. I am certain that I blushed. Those are my ahem. They're my nudes, I admitted quickly, with no way out. Her expression was shocked for about half a second before flashing into wicked glee. She realized why she had me so embarrassed, and she reveled in it. Unfortunately, she still wanted to see them. She almost danced back to the couch, folding herself elegantly upon it, and opened the cover. I sat there, on the armless chair beside the couch, stewing in my juices instantly. Can you stew instantly? That seems like a contradiction in terms. I wasn't worried, mind you. She obviously wasn't the type to be offended and some pieces and they were indeed among my best product. But that was a large selection of very naked women and there along with a few very naked men, actually. The men's checks cashed just like the women. Most of the people in the portfolio were not professional models. At least, I had not been the one paying them. As I said, I haven't paid many models over my career. The majority of my nude subjects have been trophy wives or girlfriends, and a couple of boyfriends. Sophia silently paged through the whole fucking portfolio, not saying a word. Then she looked up at her portrait. She picked up her wine and slugged down the last half of the glass in a gulp. I winced. Pulid Niemontricet is way too good wine to shoot. I want one, Sophia said firmly. Um, most of those and there were private commissions, I said, startled. I, uh, if you really want one of them... The only one still for sale is one of those San Francisco gallery pieces I told you about. I leaned forward and reached toward the portfolio. I think it is on the fifth page. She probably went to San Francisco with some regularity, and it would be nice to get one of the remaining pieces sold. I mend of me, she said mildly. Oh, oh, I said intelligently. You still do commissions like this? she asked almost worriedly. Of course, I said quickly. It will take much longer. I mean the sitting. I'd like it life sized, she said, sounding more sober than she ought to after two big glasses of wine. More sober than made any sense to me. I suppose that the fee will be considerably higher, but I'm sure we can work that out. My first truly coherent thought since she had said she wanted one popped into my mind. That thought was that I wanted to offer to pay her for the privilege but my banker mentally appeared from nowhere and wrestled my libido to the ground with great difficulty. I had no idea my banker knew how to supplex. I felt myself blink embarrassingly. I tilted my head until my neck cracked quietly and said, Of course, and I agree that we can certainly work out a fee. I can be reasonable, especially for a second work for the same customer. She laughed as well. Will you send this one to your parents too? I asked half-actually curious about what she would do with a little nude of herself. Oh, God! No! Sophia shrieked, scandalized. I'd die if they saw it. They would literally die. She stared at my closed portfolio, then at the portrait of herself. No, this is for over my own bed. She went on, suddenly taping her perfect teeth with a fingertip. I want to look up and take power from what I think you will produce from what I just saw that you can do. I would make her a masterpiece, I thought, looking at her and imagining. I will want the canvas to be about four feet high by eight wide, she said, unframed. Four by eight? You really meant life-sized? I asked, incredulous. I had dismissed the words when she had said them. Suddenly, we were talking about a major work. No bigger than four by eight, she said again, her practical side suddenly in her voice. And low profile. I've had a 5x10 black and white photograph of the London skyline over my bed since I bought the condo in Manhattan. I want your piece to be able to just fit underneath that. I can leave your portrait uncovered when it is just me at home. Or when I want to shock someone. Or when I. She paused. But when I cover it for ordinary guests, I will still feel powerful, knowing it is behind the photo, waiting. Um, I said, not fully tracking reality at the moment. A 32-square-foot portrait will be expensive, won't it? Sophia asked me drilly. Yes. But we'll work it out. I choked out through a dry throat. Asterisk a full hour later, she left. Her portrait remained behind. I would pack it for shipping and have it sent to her firm's Miami offices. She would deliver it herself from there to her parents. The hour had been spent negotiating logistics. The price had been settled in about two minutes. I wished all my commission negotiations went so easily and so profitably. The rest of the time had been spent figuring out the details of her sitting. She was in a hurry to arrange it. I sensed this woman was always in a hurry. Time is money after all. She clearly knew extremely well how to turn the former into the latter. I was about to do the same. This would be one of the highest dollar commissions in my life. The highest ever for a single canvas. I was somewhat nervous, however, that my mind was not obsessed with that fee, but rather with the upcoming process and my impending model. Since Sophia was in a hurry, she had asked to do the sitting, which would take many hours, that very weekend. We would need both Saturday afternoon after her golf, and most of Sunday as well. Reclining for a portrait can be more tiring than you might expect, and I wanted her to be as comfortable as possible, so I insisted on two days, rather than just a day marathon. The fact was, I didn't want to do twelve hours straight either. I could have done it. I mean, I often work twelve hours in a day when I feel the work flowing. I don't tire easily, especially when I know I can reset later for a few days. But I never like to binge if I don't have to and I really did not want to binge this piece. The lurking problem for me was, I somehow already knew that I was going to find myself, well, hard for a lot of the time I worked with a naked Sophia. Hell, I'd gotten hard for a bit while we had just been talking about what, if any, parts she wanted to strategically drape for the portrait. Answer, none. I frankly found myself worrying about erections with durations that should have me calling my doctor. Again, I had that portfolio of nudes that had started this whole process. I am used to working with gorgeous naked women. You would be shocked at how many rich guys want a nude of their trophy wife to hang prominently in their home. It's a fairly douchey move, honestly, but the work makes for a nice occasional bump in my income, so I don't judge. And doing a nude is usually quite pleasant. Trophy wives tend to be fairly vavum, right? It's in the job description. Many had been models, or actresses, or occasionally even sex workers, before marrying the money. It was not displayed in my black leather portfolio, but I once produced a portrait of a wife who was once a model you definitely know of. Marriage had caused her to seem to drop off the face of the earth only a few years earlier. She never did any professional nude work, so while I know how she looks in her birthday suit you don't. Sucks to be you. Even that woman had not had me hard the entire time, however. Sophia, for some indefinable reason, just might. She had two and a half days of meetings to go through before she returned. I had that time to rearrange my entire condo for the sitting. I don't normally do portraits of any kind at my place. Most clients prefer their own homes, or another specific location. Sophia had no interest in being portrayed in her hotel room no matter how nice it was. My studio space was just my second bedroom, a 10 by 12 space repurposed for utility work, and was not remotely big enough to accommodate the sitting, especially since I envisioned a fairly lush environment. This was to be a huge portrait, and I needed the setting to have enough depth and detail for that hold-up. Scale and painting, drawing, pastels, etc. is a funny but incredibly important thing. I was absolutely not going to tell my client to go into my actual bedroom and get naked, so I had to restage my fortunately modular couch as a daybed. A huge piece of crimson velvet fabric as a drape, and a bunch of cushions from the home decor superstore uptown gave me the color and geometry I needed, as well as critical support for my model's body. I would reassure Sophia that I could ignore the Little Mermaid and Transformers graphics on a few of the pillows. I just needed their specific sizes, shapes, and general colors. This wasn't going to be a photograph, so I was not worried about Bumblebee. I scoured my memories of our conversation about wine, and purchased two different bottles of red, one for Saturday and another for Sunday, along with more blue cheeses and other accompaniments. It pays to keep your subject feeling slightly satisfied at all times. I reflected that artists in an earlier day might have spent hours trying to anticipate musical needs and assembling tapes and albums to soothe the savage model. Da Vinci probably had to hire a string quartet to keep the Mona Lisa taping her toes while she sported that half-smile. With my Bluetooth sound system and the cloud, I had to hand whatever accompaniment Sophia desired. My only real problem was getting enough sleep. Sophia was not going to be the most beautiful woman I had done a portrait of. And she was possibly not even in the top three hottest bodies. But she was starting to haunt me a bit like my work apparently haunted her. A man my age should not have wet dreams anymore, but I managed one Friday night. Saturday morning was a mess for me, beyond the sticky sheets. Doing the unscheduled laundry helped me keep it together, actually. I had made the mistake of finishing setting everything up to the last detail by Friday, and had nothing with which to occupy my mind while waiting for Sophia to play her round of golf and eat lunch with the client. I settled for taking a run while the dryer ran its course. I circled the park three times, instead of my usual two, and found myself pushing the pace much harder than usual. Even in the crisp autumnal air, I was a sweaty mess as I dashed through the front door of my building. The shower felt good, and though I seriously considered rubbing one out as a preventative measure, the hard run and the prior night's emission seemed like they were protection enough. I was fresh, groomed, and relaxed, and my bed was remade before I got her text that she was on her way. She would arrive a good forty-five minutes early. She was eager, too. The bell rang, and I met her at the door. I smiled involuntarily. She wore a simple wraparound dress in a most complimentary shade. She looked great in it of course, but it hardly seemed like it fit her persona. I guessed it was a knock around the house garment for her. I briefly wondered why on earth she had chosen to change into this after her round of golf, but then I twigged to her reason, this dress would be very easy to take off. I smiled involuntarily again. She stepped into my apartment with just a trace of understandable trepidation. You gave me no direction on how to do my makeup. She started, then paused. I let myself appreciate her face. Flawless and understated, I observed. I knew I did not need to tell you what was needed, I added reassuringly. Thanks, she said, already visibly relaxing. How about my hair? She had clearly spent all sorts of time on it, and its wavy corona about her face was beautiful, but more importantly, completely in keeping with her persona. It is awesome, I said with another reassuring smile. Then I snorted. Though to be honest, I'd bet your hair looks okay in a morning rat's nest. Truth be told, Sophia with bedhead sounded like an excruciatingly hot image. She settled down further and looked around the living room. Wow, that looks comfortable, she said, gazing at the couch, with my seat and easel positioned opposite and it will be a beautiful setting. She trailed off and turned slowly to me. Really? Optimus Prime? I found myself blushing. I needed to buy some more cushions. I protested. Those were the shape and color I wanted. Don't worry, I have already filtered him and Girly Smuff from my consciousness. They won't be in the portrait. Smurfette. She corrected me absently. She walked into the room, still staring at the couch. So, do we just start? How about I first offer you a glass of that Chateau Monbusquet you clued me in about? I countered, indicating the table off to the side with the bottle and snacks. Oh, please! Sophia said instantly, then stopped herself. No, wait. How about in an hour or so for the wine? I had a double old-fashioned at the nineteenth hole, and that should be enough fortification for me for now. Let us enjoy the wine in a bit, if I may be allowed. We can take breaks whenever you like, I said firmly. So that sounds good. Um, suddenly, I was the one feeling awkward. Uh, then if we are to begin, you can get ready in the restroom. I left a large drape for you in there. You can, er, get ready and come back. We'll get you situated and begin. She smiled and started eagerly for the bathroom but froze, facing away from me. She stood there, and without looking back at me said, I've been totally nervous about this ever since we last parted. Oddly, she went on, almost introspectively. I think I've done my real job better than ever over the last few days because of that energy, though I shot an 80 today. That sucked. I, I can't wait to lie down and have you work whatever magic you somehow do, but actually getting naked is going to be hard. I waited patiently. She took a deep breath. But now that I'm to that point, I am sure that getting undressed in private, to preserve my modesty, will only make it worse. Still not looking back at me, she suddenly undid the front of the dress and let it slide from her shoulders. She had not bothered with underwear. The fabric cascaded free of her lovely shoulders, revealing an ever so lightly muscled back, then an ass that took my breath away, then sleek thighs and calves. I saw her hands twitch involuntarily toward her chest to cover her breasts, but she visibly restrained herself and lowered them back her sides before she turned around with an outer calm that clearly was only a veneer. I was also sporting a veneer of calm. Holy shit. Fuck every comment I made about her ranking versus other subjects I had done nudes of. In that moment, to my eye, she was unparalleled. Sure there were flaws. She had an odd port wine-stained birthmark on her left hip. There had been an overly large mole in the small of her back. There were other little blemishes. None of them mattered. My only complaint was that that ass would not appear in the portrait. She looked nervous. I felt nervous as hell. To cover for us both, I simply said, Good call on not wearing underwear. I won't have to wait for the marks to fade before I can work on those areas. She recovered instantly and smirked. Oh, you are eager to work on those areas, are you? I blushed. She blushed too, and looked away, apologizing with her body language. Sorry, Robert. She sort of mumbled, then stood there uncertainly. Now, her standing there, facing me and naked, was not the worst of circumstances. But an uncertain, unhappy model was a no-no. I chuckled. Dirty jokes are a-okay. "'under the circumstances,' I said with a smile. "'But let's get you situated and me started "'before you go through the rest of your set, Ms. Comedienne.' "'That got the small laugh I wanted. "'Sophia turned to the couch, and we went through the always awkward, "'even when it is not a nude, process of posing a model for a figure study. "'I know some photographers, and they all seem just fine with reaching out "'and physically guiding their models and attaining the pose the shooter wants.' Especially for the final tiny adjustments. I am never able to manage it. Even on the rare occasions where I am the one paying the model, it seems unprofessional and a little harassed why. When I'm working with a high status client, one who is paying me, it also feels massively presumptuous. So I talked her through settling into a position that was sexy, yet demure, revealing, but not blatant. Then we both realized that the pose we had settled upon was not going to be comfortable for her and we had to do it all again. Never have I found myself wanting more to reach out with my hands and adjust my model's position. What was it about Sophia? It was definitely a chemistry thing. I could not help but be turned on by her when she was full clothed, much less now. And she could not help but be turned on by the way I portrayed her. I told myself that it was all cool, and to remember the payday. Let my banker get hard for me. Yeah, my body was never going to delegate that task, thank you, whether I wished it to or not. Thank God I had worn my golf shirt with the tails untucked. I love this color, Sophia said, as I at last turned to go to my seat and easel. The velvet? I asked, turning back around. I am not surprised, it suits you very well. That was why I picked it out, after much deliberation. I know color, people. I had not been able to believe it when I found that piece of velvet. There was not a color on earth that suited this particular woman better. Not for a sensual piece like this was meant to be. I started with my same trusty 2 by 3 pad and began with the usual preliminary sketches. I mostly ignored her face. I had a great deal of familiarity with portraying it already. Instead, I concentrated on her body. What a hardship. Her legs were utterly easy. Their sleek lines leapt from my fingertips onto the page, her top knee bending slightly over the bottom, toes pointed but comfortably so. The feet needed separate work, so I just dashed them off on this round. I ended the study at her hips. They were deliciously rounded, and I was gratified to see that with the yoga pants not there to keep things in place, her flesh remained just as taut and sleek. The only thing that bothered me was, she was completely shaven down there, Don't get me wrong. I love, love, love a bald pussy as a playground. Love. It. But I was not going to be playing down there, and when I'm doing a painting, I much prefer some bush. Without some pubes where the subject's legs meet, a portrait always seems a little unfinished. I would have to soldier through, suffering with the view of her shaven perfection. The sketch told me I was still dissatisfied by the situation and I rose to adjust the dimmed LED spotlight that I had arranged to the left of the couch. I shifted it almost three feet forward and further over, then stood back. Excellent. Now it cast the slightest of shadows right where I needed darkness. I stood back and undertook the arduous task of staring at her entire body to make sure no other part had become poorly lit, but it all looked fabulous. I returned to the sketch and found that the tiny shadow indeed gave me what I wanted picky, she observed. Everything must be just right, Sophia. That's what these preliminary sketches are for, I said, flipping the page and starting a second study of her torso. I had to bite my lip, hopefully discreetly, to keep from groaning at the view I was concentrating on. Her breasts were wonderful. They were a bit smaller than is my general idea of perfection, but they were rich and full, draping naturally on her chest as she lay on her side without a trace of anything that could be called sag. The Orioles were dark, round, and not larger across than a champagne cork. Their dusky brownish skin was crinkled with arousal and spotted with goosebumps. In their center, the nipples were smallish, but looked hard as spring steel. Your skin color is incredible, I said aloud, as I searched for just the right array of hues to use to illustrate it perfectly when I got to the main piece. It was rich and warm in color and I noted a complete lack of tan lines. Do you get it from your Mediterranean ancestry, tanning beds, or beaches in the south of France? I asked before I could chicken out. She laughed, and I locked in on the expression while it lasted. Would you believe all three? She said merrily. Really? I asked, actually taken aback. She chuckled again, knowing she had found another way to tease me. Not really. It wasn't France, but Australia. And how much of this tan is left from my time there two months ago, I don't know. My mind reeled, trying to imagine this self-assured, powerful woman lying around, naked on an Australian beach. I had a deal in Melbourne, and took four days R&R after, she explained. You must think I'm an awful exhibitionist, with that and having this portrait done, she added, suddenly uncertain. Honestly, I don't see you as an exhibitionist, I said almost absently. Just, um, possibly more comfortable in your own skin than even you realize. Was that your first time sunbathing like that? How did it make you feel? An exhibitionist would have been very. I trailed off, finding myself in dangerous territory. I was not fishing for sexy talk, I was genuinely trying to read how she felt about that experience, and by extension, what we were doing currently. I wasn't terribly aroused, actually, Sophia said, almost surprised at the fact. I find this to be much more, um, and I certainly was not intending to go topless on that beach, let me tell you. I'm too old for that sort of thing anyway, even if I was into it. I carefully concealed a snort at that. The breasts I was currently sketching were fucking made for topless beaches. So why? I asked my brain refusing to let me disengage from this dicey discussion. I've never been sure why, she said, as if surprising herself. Just, every woman around me, of all ages, was pretty much was doing it, and nobody seemed to care. There were some hot women on that beach, let me tell you, and it wasn't like the men were all standing around with their tongues hanging out or anything. It was just another day at the beach, and the sun felt so good, she shrugged. I took a deep breath and took my top off. I wasn't instantly assaulted, and I began to relax. It was nice. I thought nothing of doing it again the next day. I even read my book a bit. She laughed. Well, there you go, I said brightly. An exhibitionist would have been pissed she wasn't being ogled constantly, wouldn't she? She laughed again. I was wasting a lot of great smiles at a time when I wasn't working on her face yet. I really wasn't being ogled all the time, but you do meet some interesting men when you lie out on a beach wearing an Aussie one-piece bikini. I saw a memory in her eye that told me that one of those interesting men must now have some good memories of his own. The sketch of her tits was complete and amazing. I had both the skin tones and those amazing contours down already. Breasts. The sketch of her breasts, not her tits. They were too lovely to be called tits but they were way too fucking sexy to be called breasts. Tits? Breasts? Magnificent mounds? I snorted inwardly. They were amazing distractions, was what they were. I swiftly filled another two pages with small studies of her feet, but mostly her hands. The one that we had decided to drape upon the curve of her hip was easy, if pleasurable, to capture. I had to make three tries of the other hand which seemed to be supporting her head without in fact doing so. I almost welcomed the hiccup in my process, as everything had been going unnaturally easily thus far. I never expect everything to flow naturally, even with this, my apparent muse. I closed the sketch pad and rose. Are you ready for the main event? I asked, moving to get the huge canvas I had acquired for the project. A spare was hidden in my studio, just in case. As I set the expanse on my easel, uncomfortably aware it was the biggest workspace I had ever employed, Sophia asked. So, can I have one or two of those sketches as well? Her voice was eager, almost breathless. I thought of the work I had just done. To be honest, several of them, in isolation, were damn near pornographic. I'd be mortified if she even saw them, much less kept them. Besides, I wanted them for myself. Badly. Maybe one. I smiled, as if confident. I would give her the one of her hands and feet. I could never sit while working on a canvas that big, so I settled in for hours of standing. And I stared at the blank expanse. It was fucking intimidating. It had been a long time since I had even tried to do a work of this scale, and I was suddenly regretting accepting the commission. What business did I have taking on a major work at a scale I was not used to at all? Could I pull it off? Could I do justice to the living work of art I had as a subject? A work of art who thought my pieces were somehow fucking magical. I trembled. Then I lifted the first pastel in my fingers and began. In seconds, my doubts left me, and the free, inspired way I captured her image returned full bore. I swept in long strokes, lay down the outlines of her form, setting the structure of the piece. I offset her slightly with her head closer to the edge of the canvas than her feet, as was the classical mode. I wanted that timeless, conventional-for-a-reason composition, so that the portrait, even though executed in my own modern-yet-realistic style, would feel like an old master. In minutes, I was smiling to myself as the plain black strokes of the wireframe that would never be seen in any way once the piece was complete, took form just the way I was envisioning. My fingers were sure as they ever were. I smudged out not a line, corrected not a position. My eyes drank in her form, and my hands transferred it to the canvas with a surety that was amazing to me in the moment, even for me at my best. But I was hardly seeing her. I just sketched. I'm not sure how long that initial layout took. The sheer scale of what I was doing was unfamiliar, so it was quite a while, but I was mostly lost during it. Suddenly, I stopped. I stepped back and took in what I had done. Damn, I'm good. It was just a wireframe, almost like you might see on page 9 of How to Draw Comics. But I knew the layout was perfect, and I knew I had the ineffable shape of her body captured in just those lines. I let my eyes go back to Sophia, and found myself letting them really focus on her for the first time in a while. Oh yeah? She was naked, wasn't she? Damn. I saw her staring at me intently. It was not the expression I wanted for the piece, but it was striking. I could coach her on it later. It didn't matter now. For now, it was just uncomfortable to be examined as closely as I was now examining her. Watching you work is... I don't know, she said softly, breaking the silence. That first day we met in the park, it was exciting watching you do that picture of the girl and her kids. Then... It was actually kinda hot watching you do the portrait of me for my parents. I could feel your intensity. She paused. Now. Here. With me lying here like this, your gaze is... She trailed off again and did not restart. She just stared at me. Her gaze was intense. It was almost unbearably attractive, sexy, erotic. I wanted to capture it instantly, but it was the wrong look for the portrait much as it went into my eyeballs and traveled straight down to my cock, making it hard again in almost an instant. I needed a languid, smiling sensuality, not this, frank, hungry appraisal. I restrained myself from grabbing the sketch pad and doing a study in the delicious moment. Instead, I turned to bend and rummage through my pastels, the movement helping to work my cock into an at least somewhat comfortable position. I didn't anticipate the erection going away anytime soon my predicted marathon of tumescence had begun. I turned back, smiled, and began in earnest. The magic did not desert me, uncomfortable state of arousal or no. My hands moved surely, in far longer strokes than they were used, but my command of color did not abandon me, and that gave me confidence. Her outlines, her fabulous outlines took shape. I paused in my focus on her to set up the outlines and some shadows of the cushions and the couch overall. I knew they would likely shift between now and the next sitting, so I wanted a reference before the day was done. The fact that the painstaking, inorganic work helped my cock get some relief was purely, purely incidental. But there was only so much work there I could do, or wanted to do, at this point in the process. I went back to Sophia capturing the contours of her calves, then thighs, then enjoying the process of capturing the little shadow I had placed where her legs met so elegantly. My cock sprang back with a vengeance, and I was hard-pressed to conceal my discomfort in correcting its position. Hard-pressed and unsuccessful. I'm sorry, Robert, Sophia said softly, huskily. You could hardly help it, I said softly, trying to lose myself in the initial layer of colors that formed her abdomen. And if you could, either of us, given the current project, would want you to. I tried to keep my eyes off of her and on my canvas as much as possible. Still, she said, in an even lower register, you look so uncomfortable. Take a break at least, and talk to me for a moment. Taking my mind off my work and just talking to Sophia as she looked at the moment hardly seemed a recipe for relief for my swollen state. But I complied, because it was true. My condition was beginning to add more intensity to my process than was probably good. I stepped back, stared at my work so far. Already, I was confident it would be a spectacular finished product. I was handling the scale better than I had hoped, and the inspiration was flowing from her to me. Can I see it? Sophia asked, watching me examine the piece. Not yet, I think, I said, stepping around the piece and walking over to her how about some wine? Please, she said in a voice that seemed to be asking involuntarily for more than refreshment. I smoothly extracted the cork, and poured us each a ruby glass of relaxation. A good glass of wine had always relaxed me, but that day, with Sophia still lying there naked, siping on the glass I had offered her, I was anything but. I don't think you understood me before, Sophia grinned, after a good sip or two. I asked if I could see it. You are the client, I said reluctantly. But I really think you should wait until we are done tomorrow afternoon. It might affect how you sit if you see the portrait now. She almost grimaced at me, and I worried I might have to relent. You still misunderstand, she said, rolling forward a little on the couch toward me. I want to see it. Oh, I what? I mean I, I stammered. This whole process is just agonizing for me, Sophia said earnestly, almost compassionately. It must be hard for you too. She giggled slightly at her own words. I mean, I can see that it is. She smiled. It is getting hard for me to keep my eyes in the distance as you work, with the evidence of your discomfort there for me to see. She could see my... My shirt tail should have covered my crotch but I realized that I had been unconsciously scratching a chronic itch on my stomach, just above the waistband of my pants. At some point, the shirt tail had tucked in a bit in front. I looked down and realized the shirt no longer covered, but instead framed the painful bulge in my pants. I'm sorry, I said softly, panicking inside. It's inappropriate, I know. But you are inspirational. Thank you, my subject said sweetly. But I think I'd only be insulted if you weren't being appreciative. She looked at me and took another small sip. But you've been appreciative for so long, I'm sure it must almost hurt. I just blushed a little, and refused to answer out loud. Let. Me see. It, Sophia said almost needfully. It's only fair. I tried to babble about unprofessional behavior, but she just stared at me, her gaze a mix of authority and entreaty. Almost against my will, but very much in line with my desires, my hands went to the fly of my pants, and opened it. With a small push, I slid my underwear down, and let out an involuntary gasp of relief as my erection popped free, the absence of constriction mixing in a hearty portion of comfortable freedom with my embarrassment. A lot of what I was doing was genuinely involuntary. I might have run away in shame— had it not been somehow clear that Sophia was likewise not entirely in control of herself. What was this odd chemistry we had? My cock was hard as a rock, its skin was red, and the head was an angry purple. Wow, Sophia said upon seeing me. It looks painful. Are you all right? It's not painful, I said quickly. Just uncomfortable and distracting. You should, um, take care of it before it starts to affect your work. She said, almost uncertainly. Jesus. Here I was, having been displaying a huge bulge to my client for the last couple of hours, and now I had my erect cock in her face. No wonder she wanted me to get rid of it. I was torn between tucking it away, and denying the problem, and running to my bedroom and doing as she suggested. Almost without consciously deciding, I turned and took a single step toward the door. Before I could take a second, Faster, fleeing step, Sophia blurted. Don't go! Do it here. She tried to look away and failed. I can't believe I'm asking this of you, but I want to see it happen. Take care of it here. Now. Then you can have some relief, and I can go back to staring into the middle distance like I need to. I stared at her, but her eyes betrayed only growing certainty. My eyes were absolutely not filled with certainty. But at this point, My dick's demands were deafening. Without really meaning to, I found my hand on my cock. A single stroke, and I had no resistance left. Another stroke. And another. My eyes drank in her naked body. Idly, I almost wished I was back at the easel to capture her expression. Or capture the dangling parabolas adorning her chest. Sophia's eyes were riveted to my dick as I worked to give it what it wanted. She was silent at first. But as my pace quickened, she looked up at me briefly. That's it. You need this, she said softly. After another pause, she added, I need this. It is like a physical manifestation of how you see me, whatever magic you see that makes me so beautiful. I hope this feels good. Please make it feel good, she encouraged. Was it good? Yes. But my jacking hand was more satisfying a hunger than delivering pleasure. The pleasure was incidental. And God help me, that pleasure was mostly from her gaze. She trembled slightly, and those breasts trembled in harmonic vibration. My pace quickened. Paint me, Robert, she demanded softly. What? I gasped, feeling my orgasm building swiftly. When you come, paint me. Paint my breasts with your release. Sophia demanded, her voice suddenly without doubt. Do it, she hissed. Without thinking, I stepped forward two steps, looming over her as she lay back again before me. And I came. Boy howdy, did I come. I grunted in a powerful explosion of breath, and I clenched my cock even harder as a surge of pleasure, somehow simultaneously collapsing into my core and exploding outward from it, took me. My shaft throbbed in my pumping fist And first one, then another gout of jizz burst out and cascaded down across those magnificent tits. Another stream shot out, bridging both again. Sophia gasped a high-pitched cry as my cum painted her chest, exactly as she had asked. She twisted, her hips writhing, mirroring the sensation as my cock produced another, final spurt. It was smaller, but landed right in the delectable valley between her breasts. I gave a near sob of release, my hands slowing to a stop, cradling my spent and softening cock. Relief was at last on um, at hand. Suddenly, we were both utterly awkward, either looking right at the other, but unable to keep our opposite out of the corner of our eye. I stood there like an idiot with my cock in my grasp for several seconds then almost desperately moved to pull up my pants, and zip up, almost hoping, but mostly fearing that if I didn't do so quickly— Sophia would demand I go back to work like that, exposed. But she didn't, only shifting slowly back to her posed position and staring down in bemusement at her bespattered chest, her own breathing shallow. Zipped up, I cast my eye about for a clean towel. A small stack of them, for cleaning up stray pigments, was near the door to my studio. I dashed over to grab one, and returned, shamefacedly offering it to Sophia to clean up my filthy... Sticky spudge. She only shook her head. Let's get back to it, Robert. You have your distraction gone and I. She shut up, but made no move to clear my glistening, not yet drying semen from her torso. I stepped back slowly to my easel and lifted a pastel, my inspiration taking me before I was ready for it. I had not meant to work much on her breasts that first day, only making small efforts here and there. I had subconsciously been saving them for Sunday, as a treat, perhaps. Now I was fully engaged with them. My strokes were sure and swift. Every time my hand went to the tray, I always grabbed exactly the right color. The subject was glorious, and I was capturing it in a way that had me already satisfied. And I captured the decorations I had left all over them as well. It was not obvious, of course. I didn't want that. To the uninformed observer, there was just a whirl of lightness atop her cleavage, where the puddle of my last spurt still nestled. There were streaks of lighter pigment here and there over the exquisite expanse of her curves. A drop here and there around the nipples of her upper breast, and so on. All just apparent texture and light. But to me, the cum was obvious. It would be obvious to Sophia. And it would be too obvious to anyone else that she might choose to point it out to. I incorporate details such as that in my work often the item that is obvious only when pointed out, the patch of dirt on a face, the cat invisible in the background. But this was the best I had ever done. Sophia's reclining nude would have come spattered breasts, and even those few she chose to share it with would likely never know. But again, she would. And she never moved to clean herself. I watched as the afternoon approached evening, and my spume dried on her skin. It was an interesting thing I'd never seen before. My dick's exhaustion, my suddenly inspired burst of even higher productivity, and the intellectual curiosity of what semen looked like as it dried on skin kept me from any more, much more, discomfort. The light in the room flared as the sun lowered to the point where its rays hit where Sophia reclined directly. I stopped. We had to be done for the day, as I had suddenly lost control of light and shadow. That's it for today, I said, suddenly once more appalled at myself for what I had done. Uh, ten-thirty tomorrow? I asked, suddenly worried that she wouldn't come back at all. Sophia sat up and stretched. You are, you were right, Robert. This is hard work, she said, not looking at me. She looked at the towel she had refused earlier, then shook her head slightly. Instead, she rose, picked up her dress, and slipped it around her body still coated as it was with my crusty cum. I'll I'll see you at ten-thirty, she agreed hastily, then almost dashed for the door. Thank you, she said awkwardly as she slipped out. The dollop of dried cum in her cleavage had still been fully visible in the neckline of her dress. Thank you, I whispered after her, through the closed door. Then I began slamming the palm of my hand into my forehead in an attempt to either knock the stupid loose, or just induce amnesia. I ate a swift dinner from the microwave, perhaps optimistically reset things for the next day, and sat down to examine my work. It was good. Very good, if I did say so myself. And I had gotten a lot more done than I had expected, considering it was such a large piece. If Sophia came to her senses and refused to return to the scene of my awful behavior, there was a chance that I could still finish it. If she still wanted the thing in the first place... I sat there, staring at her breasts in the painting, the subtle come on her torso as plain as day to me, and jacked off again. Wakefulness came hard the next morning. I had tossed and turned before falling fitfully asleep the night before, worried about how she would take, whatever the fuck had happened on Saturday. Could she find the strength and forgiveness to return and let me finish? The stomach too? And to be clear, I'm not an idiot. I knew full well she had instigated things. I had just been sitting there, visibly hard as a rock, like the primitive male I am. Could she find a way to face me? Would she want to? And how would my mind handle things, when it came time to actually pick up my pastels again? There was so much more detail I wanted, I needed to capture. I was ahead of where I had wanted to be, but the scale of that canvas, every time I stared at it, was still intimidating. There was so much space yet to find the strokes, the details, to fill. Could I possibly manage to recapture even a spark of the flame of inspiration I had felt the day before? It had not been a novel experience to work so immersively, though it had been more intense than any other such trance I could remember. But I knew all too well, the kind of dash and verve I had felt Saturday afternoon was often fleeting. Could I summon it again? Could I do it without my fucking cock distorting my pants and distracting everyone? I wore the loosest pants I owned, and donned an older button-down shirt that hung well below my waist, even more loosely than the day before. I was as camouflaged as I could make myself. Because I had zero doubt that if Sophia somehow returned, and got naked on my couch again, I would once more be petrified wooden moments. I made cucumber sandwiches and put them in the fridge for a lunch break. I set aside the second bottle of wine for later and brewed up a big pot of Jamaican blue coffee. Then I drank too much of it and suffered through half an hour of jitters as I waited for 10.30. At 10.27 my bell rang. Sophia stood outside my door, her hair and makeup a dead perfect match for the day before. Rather than the prior day's wraparound dress, now likely cum-stained, she wore jeans and a pullover sweater. It was still sensational on her but not the easy-to-remove outfit of before. And she was clearly nervous. Oh. Come in, Sophia, I said, unfortunately, also clearly nervous. Hello, Robert, she said, stepping hesitantly inside. I could not imagine this woman entering a room with less than authoritative ease, yet here she was. Um, some coffee, perhaps? I said, unsure how to proceed. Please, she said, brightening. As long as it is not decaf, she added suddenly. Ugh! What's the point of decaf? I snorted and for a brief instant we had some of the previous easy camaraderie. But it faded almost instantly. I produced the coffee, along with a warming pour from my own mug. We spoke of inconsequentialities. Nothing about this morning was going right. Her eagerness was, not gone, but suppressed at the very least, perhaps worse. She made no move to eagerly undress and prepare. And she was skittish, usually refusing to meet my eyes, at least during those moments when I summoned the courage to try to meet hers. Her cup drained. Sophia heaved a sudden breath. I suppose we should begin, she said nervously. Whenever you are ready, I said sincerely, willing to be patient. She looked around. The restroom, she asked. I indicated its door, and she went to it. CLOSING IT BEHIND HER TODAY SHE WOULD NOT STRIP IN FRONT OF ME SUDDEN MODESTY HOW WOULD THAT AFFECT THE INSPIRATION I MOVED TO THE CANVAS I STILL HAD NOT LET HER SEE THE PAINTING SHE STEPPED OUT WRAPPED IN THE BLANKET I HAD PLACED THERE FOR HER THE DAY BEFORE CLUTCHING IT TO HER SHE STEPPED OVER NEAR THE COUCH AND HEAVED ANOTHER DEEP BREATH SHE SMILED AT ME UNCERTAINLY BUT HER SPINE SUDDENLY STRAIGHTENED IF NOT COMFORTABLY and she let the wrap slide to the floor. Every fucking inch of her was as amazing as before. She stepped over and slid onto the couch, incidentally giving me a brief look at the magnificence of her backside that I had only a glimpse of the day before as well. She rearranged the cushions with a remarkable memory for detail, and reclined for me. Her pose was almost a match for the day before, but held a stiffness that I hated. I didn't physically have to represent it in the portrait, but I knew I would not be able to help doing so if I couldn't get her to relax. I temporized. Your hand, on your hip, I said, examining her and the portrait as clinically as I could muster. It should be about three inches higher, toward your waist. That's it. Now I was temporizing, giving her increasingly fidgety, unnecessary instructions to keep from taking up a color in my fingers. Stop it. I heaved a deep breath. It's perfect. You are perfect, Sophia, I said with a firm smile. She smiled back, mostly, and I began. I started with some additional work on the pillows. It was cowardly, but it got me going. Other details in the background leapt to my pigments, and I captured them. In but a few minutes, my spine was no longer trying to tie itself in knots, and my hands moved faster and more surely. I worked on her elbow that rested among the cushions and I smiled as I resisted the urge to actually put Spider-Man on the square, blue pillow as he was in real life. I moved to her hair. A flash of light was making it glorious, and the sweeping, luscious lines evolved on the canvas. But I kept avoiding her body. It was still tense, still hesitant. I didn't want to accidentally capture any of this nervous energy. I wanted the sensual serenity that she projected the day before. I tried some jokes. Being careful to avoid anything risque. She smiled here and there, but while she nominally relaxed with each, it was only superficially, and it was also always transient. I was growing frustrated and anxious. There was only so long I could sketch the drapes in the background and more pillows. I may have let my vexation reach my face. Robert, Sophia suddenly blurted. We need to talk. Nope, those words have still never been good, I thought. Of course, I said, and waited for things to explode. About yesterday, and what happened? She went on, her voice wound tight. I'm sorry, Sophia, I... I started to say, not sure where I was going. No, I am sorry. But I... I stopped, unable to point out out loud that I had spudged on her tits. It really was an artist-model faux pas. I put you in a position yesterday, she said, overriding me. That clearly has left you uncomfortable. Me as well, you should know, she said, what was becoming clear as a rehearsed speech piling pell-mell from her lips. We should regret what happened. Ugh. But Robert, you should also know, she said, her voice almost agonized. Was she about to flee the situation? Instead, her body froze and she met my gaze fully for perhaps the first time that morning. You should know that that was the most erotic thing I've ever been involved in, in my life. She finished with utter sincerity. Really? I blurted, unable to contain my shock. That was the sexiest thing you've ever done. I mean had done to you. Suddenly, she laughed. A deep, rich, happy laugh that I had been yearning for all morning. Her whole body morphed without moving, and my hands leapt for the pigment box to grab the flesh tones. I attacked the hand on her hip, feeling it take full form, but I was still incredulous at her words. Hardly, Sophia said merrily. I switched to capturing the lift of her cheeks and her high cheekbones while the smile lasted. I said the most erotic, not the sexiest. It was only top five, at best top three sexiest. What was the top? My mouth asked unbidden, as my fingers began to further develop a nipple, the short, Curvy strokes enriching the image of that perfection. Wouldn't you like to know? She scoffed. I would, I said, this time intentionally. Whatever damn had burst in her from her confession, her body once more radiated that inspiration for me, and my hands were working feverishly. I wanted to keep that energy flowing. She grinned at me, then shrugged minutely. I once consummated a deal between a venture capital guy and an entrepreneur you may or may not have heard of aboard a netjet at 38,000 feet. There has never been a sweatier, stickier contract signing in history. She said, looking to see if she could shock me. I just let my hands fly, and suffered through the erection already preparing to torture me throughout the day. Do you think that makes me a whore? Sophia challenged me. She clearly did not think it of herself, but she was clearly curious if I had that impression. I shrugged. Did you use the sex to close the deal? Of course not. She snorted dismissively. It was a spontaneous celebration after settling a very hard, very big negotiation, fueled by the fact that I found both men hot as pistols. Then not a whore. I murmured, as if it were obvious. Not that there was any way on God's green earth that I'd have told her she was, even if I had thought it. But Robert, she said, Her voice regaining that husky register suddenly from the critical period the day before. I'd like to top that day. Do you realize I came yesterday, just from your cum raining down on me? I stopped and stared at her. Had I been so transfixed by my own release that I had somehow missed that? It was a small one, and lovely. She said matter-of-factly. But I want more. I stared at her some more. Put down what you are doing, and come to me. The energy we feel here, now that it is flowing, I need it all. Come here. No, can we go to your bed? I don't want to mess up where we are working. I need to fuck you, Robert. I think you need to fuck me. I stared into her eyes. Mine must have looked simultaneously like a frightened rabbits and a hungry fox's. To lose myself in this magnificent woman. To take our chemistry and make it flesh. To simply tap that crazy hot ass. No. I said. What? Not yet. I blurted quickly. God, Sophia, I've never had such an offer, an offer I so desperately want to accept. I took a deep breath. But I can't risk the chemistry we have right now, with things on the edge. I want this portrait to be perfect. It feels right now like it is going to be. I need to work. I smiled fearfully. Then, when I am done— if I have not missed out on the greatest opportunity one can imagine, I want to join you right there on that couch, on that velvet that sets you off so beautifully, and play between your legs in so many ways, making you scream as loudly and as many times as I can muster until we both collapse. She flushed. Stop that, woman. I don't want to duplicate that blush. Then she arched that eyebrow at me again, and sank into her pose, totally relaxed. She did not tell me if her heat-of-the-moment offer would still stand when I finished. That made me feel nervous, but it made my strokes more sure. She resumed fully her serenity, and we worked in silence, the music she had requested, Steve Miller Band and the like, filling the void. We spoke occasionally, but only of inconsequentialities. When I gave her and myself a break, so we could enjoy the cucumber sandwiches and open the bottle— a South African Pinotage blend that was criminally unknown, our easy conversation, as she sat there utterly naked across from me while we ate, was about nothing. She kept her legs together, her presence sensuous, rather than lewd. I gave up trying to hide it and stared a good bit at her breasts. She archly smiled at my well-hidden crotch area. But we said nothing about sex, about her offer-slash-demand. As we rose to clear things away and get back to work, Her hand slid up over my chest to my shoulder, freezing me in my tracks. You are worried that you let your opportunity pass, she said not a question. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. I'm going to need you to finally let me see that canvas when we are done, before I decide which it is. Her hand trailed off of me and she swayed over to resume her position. I needed only two quick adjustments this time to have her back in the perfect, matching pose. I was a maniac. An inspired, pent-up madman. I worked feverishly. Every slightest contour and variation of skin tone seemed to emerge of their own volition from my fingers. I lost track of time as I worked. Pausing but once, impatiently, to let her have some more wine. I refused any more for myself. My muse had me in her grip. I did not know what time it was, but it was before we had planned to finish, when I suddenly stopped and flippantly tossed the pastel I held, worn to a nub, into the trash. Done, I announced. Really? Sophia asked excitedly, breaking her pose and sitting up. She leaned toward me eagerly, her breasts dangling down, pressed lightly between her arms braced on her knees. There are days of work left, I said. But we are done here. It feels complete. I only have the boring polishing to muddle through. I stared at what I had wrought and was glad. So I can see it, finally? Sophia asked, hesitant to actually rise from the couch. Please, I said grandly, gesturing to the canvas. Please, please, please like it. I want to fuck you so bad my teeth hurt. She rose, like a vision, and walked slowly over and around to my side of the canvas, and stopped. She silently stared at the portrait, my vision of her naked, gorgeous form. As ludicrously hot as she was, I felt like I had managed to make her sensuous and beautiful, not raunchy. And her face was as perfect as I had made it in the first portrait. But what would she think? Sophia stood there, in front of the painting. I wanted to watch her body language, to try to discern what she thought of my work, since she was saying nothing out loud. But mostly all I could do was drink in the sight of her smooth, rounded ass that I had thus far only glimpsed damn robert she said at last softly you are good relief flooded me i had done my job but had i done it well enough to recapture her fey, horny mood of earlier i want to just stare at it until dinner time sophia said her head tilting to examine some aspect of it but i can't because you and i are going to be on that pile of cushions until well after She said, reaching behind her for my hand and pulling it up and around her to clasp a breast. As my hand pressed into the amazing feeling of her tit, she leaned back against me. Turn it around, so I can stare at your cum on my boobs while I suck your dick on that velvet. She said, then pulled away from me and walked with an insanely sensual gait back to the couch. Sophia turned around as she reached it. I was right behind her, just far enough back to keep that ass easily in my field of vision. When she turned around again, it cost me that view, but replaced it with one equally as mesmerizing. She knelt smoothly, but instead of reaching for my fly, as I briefly expected, she gently lifted one foot then the other, slipping off the soft moccasins I wear when working on my feet for long periods. Then she rose again and wrapped her arms up around my shoulders. I bent and kissed her upturned mouth, our lips opening eagerly in the very first moments, as we worked to steal each other's breath. My hands rose of their own volition and clasped her breasts, her hardened nipples poking between my fingers. Sophia broke off our kiss and our embrace and leaned backward, running her hands up my chest and staring down. It is a nice shirt, she mused, plucking at the fabric of my soft, blue button-down. Shame what happened to it. Huh? I asked in confusion, looking down. Had I colored it as I worked that afternoon? I did like this shirt. It was one of my favorites, and I had chosen it to look good for Sophia. She flashed a tiny grin, then grabbed the lapels of the shirt and literally tore it wide open. Maybe two buttons survived by coming undone. More popped off the shirt. A few held on, and instead tore the fabric they clung to. Fuck that shirt. It was old anyway. I swiftly began to shuck it off my shoulders. She was gentler with my khakis. Her hands dropped to the fly and, with sudden gentleness again, she worked it open, sliding the zipper down with agonizing deliberation as she kissed me once more. I had not been so bold as to go commando, but I had been wildly optimistically careful and worn some presentable underwear at the least. My khakis slid to the floor around my ankles as Sophia's hand caressed the bulge I was tenting in my dark blue hybrid boxer-slash-briefs. She tugged the elastic waistband out and slid them off my hips. When the briefs reached my ankles atop my pants, I managed to step free of both without making an idiot of myself. The shoes being gone already make that easy. Sophia was obviously a planner. My cock waved free in the air, as hard as I could ever remember it being. She looked down at it and smiled. Hello again, she said to my once more aching erection. Her hand caressed one of my pecs, pinky finger teasing the nipple. I am not what you would call buff. My workout regime includes no lifting, just running, push-ups, pull-ups, and the like. But all my major muscle groups are at least a little defined. Sophia's hand slipped lower, caressing my flat abdomen, and my belly twitched involuntarily. She guided us both to sit on the front edge of the couch. My bare ass nestled against the soft velvet. Sophia twisted to kiss my lips once more, but briefly. Then she slid back a touch, and bent to kiss the tip of my cock. Then she simply grabbed my cock and began to, um, make out with it. Her lips and tongue caressed me from head down to balls, delicately at first, but with increasingly wet, sloppy briel as she proceeded. She only paused once to twist me slightly to the side, so that she could in fact stare at her portrait while she pleasured me. The sight of it only seemed to improve her efforts. Her hand was smoothly, slowly sliding up and down and twisting around the base of my shaft. At the same time her lips engulfed my cock and slid down several inches of it, my tip being nudged up and down inside her mouth by her undulating tongue. This was exquisite torture. Every gentle move she made sent shivers of pleasure through my body, but she cruelly held the intensity down to prevent me from really getting going. I whimpered blissfully, restraining myself somehow from running my hands through her hair and ruining that perfect dew. But a full day of staring at Sophia's body, of replicating its every curve and valley, had me understandably on edge, no matter how gentle she was. I'm dying here, I gasped. You are so amazing. Please, a little harder. I'm so close, I plead. Well, my cock was pleading. I was just its ventriloquist dummy. Instead, she cruelly stopped her oral attentions, rising up to kiss me with cock-flavored lips. He hand again pressed against my chest, pushing me back to lie along the couch. I don't think so, she purred. I just had to do that, but... She looked over at the painting again. While you were working on that beautiful thing that makes me look so godawful sexy, I had nothing to do for hours but think about what I wanted to do to your body. Mostly this, she said, lifting herself over me. Almost unthinking, I shifted my ass further onto the couch so I was completely on it, making it easy for Sophia to straddle me. She did, her naked form kneeling over my middle. My eager cock could feel the warmth of her body. She held herself so close over it. She looked over at the portrait one more time as she reached down to gently tilt my cock upward. The head tensed happily as it pressed against the slick skin of her slit. She poised there, and turned back to smile into my eyes. I lifted my hands to clasp those tits. Those tits that I had been hungrily drawing for two days. Those tits I had splashed with my cum the day before. As I clasped them, Sophia moaned, sinking down onto my cock. I moaned just as happily in response, my hands clenching her mammary magnificence, as her body melded around my manhood. Sophia smiled down at me almost blissfully as the soft skin of her ass came to rest, pressing firmly against my thighs. My cock was happily nestled fully inside her, and we each took a deep breath. I felt her clench her inner muscles and relax, massaging me almost idly. Almost as if drawn, Sophia rolled her head around to the side and stared at my work. My gaze followed hers though my fingers kept up their explorations of her breasts. The portrait really was good, if I did say so myself. Jesus, I wish I really looked that good. She muttered. Trust me. I snorted. That is you, as you are in life. Beautiful. Elegant. Wonderful. I look like a fucking sex bomb. Sophia countered, matching deed to word by beginning to rise a little, then sink back down on my cock. I wanted to argue with her. It was an elegant, but hardly sexual nude. But who was I to contradict a satisfied client? Especially when she was in the middle of satisfying me. I shrugged. In fairness, you are a fucking sex bomb. I growled gently, pressing my hips upward needfully. Her eyes swung back to me and she began to hump up and down on me in earnest. My hands slid down to grasp her smooth, swelling hips encouraging her movements. She arched backward, thrusting her tits out over me, and they swayed as she rode. Her hands in turn now both rested on my chest, her thumbs sliding back and forth over my nipples each time she took my cock. We both wanted this to be slow and luxurious, an experience to make last forever. But you can't always get what you want, even in the middle of getting exactly what you desire. In minutes— Sophia was bouncing up and down on me vigorously, sighing and mewling with delight. My fingers dug into her hips as I pulled her down to make each thrust harder. I could contain myself no more, and my hips began to slam upward into her body over me, matching her own still vigorous rhythm up and down along my cock. We slapped together hard with each penetration, a wet noise cracking out with each impact, and her breasts began to bounce hypnotically in response. Oh fuck, this is too good. I wailed in quasi despair. I could not last. I want you to come so fucking deep inside me. Sophia managed to articulate, between her gasping, inarticulate whines. Are you sure? I gasped, looking at her for confirmation as my balls came to a boil. Implant she gasped. Job um no. Babies, oh she cried. Just fuck merg. She wailed and I felt her body jerk. Even more moisture suddenly soaked my dick as she slammed down hard on me. My fingers dug into her hips and I rammed myself upward even harder against her desperate downward pressure. I cried out myself, wordlessly congratulating the deity on inventing sex. Seriously. Good work, God. Keep it up. Five stars. Will recommend. The inner channel of my cock burned with delight as my just rocketed up, out, and into Sophia's depths. She cried out yet again as my offering flooded her depths, adding to the general sticky awesomeness in there around my still pounding cock. I managed to keep going for a while, my cock further spasming as if desperate to come some more, riding the exquisite agony of my post-orgasmic sensory burden. Then I collapsed into the lush velvet, And Sophia sensuously lowered herself atop me, her small, lean body nestling on my chest. We each panted for breath, then kissed, then panted again. Sophia, her gorgeous hairdo now plastered with sweat to her face, grinned at me. Then she stared over at the portrait yet again, her insides clenching languidly on my softening cock. Fuck, she breathed. That will make this painting even more hot for me forever. She heaved a deep, cleaning breath. You know how to put on a finishing touch. She grinned at me. I had only just begun. The next morning, I was awoken just as the eastern sky began to lighten by a fully clothed Sophia. I rolled over and reached for her despite how exhausted my cock felt. But she danced out of the way. Please! No, I can barely stand up straight after all that yesterday. And now I have to make the walk of shame back to my hotel, get presentable and have a conference call with Germany. She leaned in and kissed me. When can I have the portrait? She asked, backing away before I could get handsy. I turned my reach for her into an artistically frustrated snap of my fingers. I'm honestly not sure on this one, Sophia. Several weeks at least. I said seriously, coming mostly fully awake. I am going to make it perfect. She looked at the portrait which we had brought into my bedroom about midnight the night before. It looks perfect now, she sighed. Not even close, I said.